Hello, I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. Hi, I'm Shell Shearer, author of Urban Fantasy and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Today we're talking to Stephanie Miro, author of the Immortal Relics series. She has a lot to talk to us about in terms of urban fantasy and being an indie author in that space. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for having me. So as an indie uh, indie urban fantasy author myself, I am I am dying to know how you were doing so well in the urban fantasy world. There are there are thousands of us out there. Um, what have you found to be one of your best things to get yourself noticed in this very saturated world? <laughs> so first of all, I'll clarify that I wouldn't say I'm doing like super well, but I'm definitely improving, which is kind of the key point for me is that I'm continuously learning what's working and what's not working. Um, when I first started publishing the series in 2019, I didn't really know a whole lot about the publishing world and marketing, but I just knew that I wanted to get my books out there. Mm -hmm. And so in the years since, I've just um, basically done a ton of research in ads in different um, different markets, different uh, applications like Amazon and Facebook and all that, and just tried to really use those to my advantage. Um, not all of it's working <laughs> to full disclosure, but, um, but what is working is it's visibility. I mean, that's one of the most basic and most difficult parts of publishing is getting your book into readers' hands. The thing that I have found the most successful is stacking ads. So when I have a new release, I will... Um, set up a bunch of promos so that I get like maybe one or two ads going out on the first day, then a few more the next day and so and so um, for the first couple of days. And that really sees a good spike. But keeping it up is where where I'm still tweaking to find success. And are you spreading those out throughout various media, uh, like some on Facebook, some on Amazon? Or are you centralizing on one area? Mostly on Amazon, just because I can spend a whole lot less money um, while I'm still trying to figure out how all of the marketing side works. But I actually do most of the stacking with um, like book promotion sites. Hmm. What's your favorite book promotion site? For me, I really like Book Rebel, um, R-E-B-E-L, Rebel, because... They have a dashboard where you can actually track how well your book is doing, like in terms of clicks. Nice. A lot of book promotion sites don't offer that. They may have a dashboard, but it doesn't really give you a lot of information, just that you've submitted something and that it has gone out. So in terms of being able to say, I got you know, 80 clicks just from Book Rebel is fantastic. That There's is pretty also- cool. Does it also tell you the purchases from those clicks or just who's clicking through? (laughs) Just who's clicking through. Well, I like, you know, you, a couple of times during that little introduction, you, you kind of said, I'm learning as I go, I'm figuring it out. And I think that's a really important point for 
anybody who's trying to publish and trying to get seen is that you have all these people coming out of the woodwork with these, you know, oh, follow my system and it will work for you perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) And you're laughing because most of that isn't, it isn't really real. You know, they might have a system and it might be a good system, um, but you still have to learn how it works for your, you and your audience and your books. And you have to kind of keep tweaking that and learning as you go. Yes, absolutely. And it's going to be different th- between young adult, adult, science fiction, fantasy. It, it Each one has its own best ways that you got to figure out. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Where do you think the biggest learning curve has been for you in in that marketing space like what has been the thing that you were like oh man I wish I knew that when I started (laughs) well um, my biggest thing was covers Um, that was a huge learning curve because it cost a lot of money to fix Um, so I had this fantastic idea of how I kind of wanted to see my covers um, and I went with those designs, which I still think are absolutely beautiful, but they just don't speak to what um, the typical reader in the digital space is looking for. So I wasn't necessarily thinking about thumbnails and, you know, the fact that people are browsing these giant lists, say on Amazon, the, you know, the bestseller list or the new release list, and to even get them to click to find out more about the book, it's the cover. So I made a big mistake by not really understanding my market and what um, was ideal in urban fantasy covers and what people expected. Um, I also kind of straddle the, with with this particular series, it's um, marketed as new adult because my main character is a graduate student. So she's about 25 years old, but I think it still appeals to the young adult market. It kind of sits somewhere between literally young adult and adult. So that's where new adult is, but not a lot of people know about new adult yet. And a lot of new adult um, books are like contemporary romance. So (laughs) So that's been a steep learning curve, just about being able to narrow down my audience better. Um, but the covers has definitely been the, the the hardest thing to come to terms with just because it is such a big cost correction, cost investment, I guess. So what did you change from your original covers to make it more your, your niche market? Everything. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally started from scratch. I even um, did new titles um, so that they would be uh, more, uh, I guess, have a a matching sound to all of them for branding purposes. So Mm -hmm. people automatically say, okay, that's in the same series because it's follows kind of the same format. Um, You know, these are all things that I just, I don't have a marketing background whatsoever. So these are learn on the go, learn on the fly kind of, kind of things. Well, I think most authors don't. So it's a struggle for everyone because trying to create your whole cover and your marketing, it's tough out there. So um, as Urban Fantasy, tell me, what are some of the things that a cover should have? Well, depends on who you ask. Um, I have learned. (laughs) I I absolutely adore the urban fantasy groups on Facebook, but I I have to remind myself that 
they're not everybody. So even though there'll be um, a very vocal group of people who will say they hate covers that show a person on them or they hate covers showing magic on them, um, that's what sells. So mm-hmm. it's it's one thing to like listen because I'm the same way. I want a unique cover. I, I get drawn to covers that look different. Um, but the, again, going back to the digital space, because I used to buy all my my books from you know Barnes and Noble or Borders, um, you know the physical copies of those books, and it, so it was the covers that drew me in, the colors and the differences. Um, but in the digital space, they want them to to really look similar. Um, which I have come to appreciate the person on the cover with magic or with wolves or, you know, different magical creatures in the background. So when I look at the urban fantasy market, that's what I see. Okay. That's what I did. And it's working. Excellent. So have you seen a, a, a large increase or well, any increase you've seen an increase since you've changed over? Significantly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I take a snapshot every once in a while of the um, the differences. So I look at my earnings report over the entire publishing period. And in the first year, basically, of my first books, you know, it's all one, one length. And then this is much easier to describe when you can actually see it in front of you. <laughs> so bear with me. But when you can see this drastic difference in sales with my new covers, and I'm not talking lots and lots of money here, I'm just saying it's it's a very prominent point on the graph. That's awesome. Yes, I'm very happy about it. It's just proven that I'm doing something right, and I just have to keep figuring out how to make it more and more right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we can do, right? <laughs> I hope so. <sighs> so I wanted to ask you too, I know you recently started um, a new group on Facebook, Urban Fantasy and the Readers Who Love Them. Mm-hmm. Do I have that right? Mm-hmm. What? How does that fit into your whole marketing plan, new cover? You know, why do you have this group? Isn't that just a huge time suck? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so it, it is just, it's a page, not necessarily a group. And I don't necessarily know what the difference would be, if okay. any, except that you don't have to necessarily join, you know, everything's public. Um, but I, I don't think there's enough representation for urban fantasy when you go like look through Facebook pages and or groups. Um, there's tons of sci-fi, there's tons of fantasy, there's tons of paranormal romance or reverse harem, but there's not a lot just strictly about urban fantasy. And I think that the genre is growing and becoming more and more visible and more and more acknowledged as a subgenre. Um, and so for me, it's a, it's fun because I can kind of promote things that I I don't necessarily feel comfortable promoting on my main author page. You know, I feel comfortable sharing information about a bunch of different authors. And, you know, I have friends, author friends that I love sharing um, their promotional stuff, but I also don't want to bombard my readers with other people's books because they may not be interested I don't know. It's it's kind of a fine line of 
when am I annoying people who really just want, you know, are following my page for, for my new releases is it comes off kind of sounding selfish, but I mean it in the best way that I just want to share urban fantasy love as much as possible. And, um, there's only so much you can do, I guess, in groups where they've set, you know, certain rules about promotion and things like that. So I wanted to have a little bit more control in that field. Well, I want to pause here for a minute and maybe we should have said this earlier, but for those readers, those listeners who aren't super up on what urban fantasy is and and the history of it, urban fantasy has only really been a recognized subgenre for, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 years, 15 probably, where it really became its own thing and not just, oh, everything that has magic is fantasy. Mm -hmm. So we are kind of carving out this niche here that's I mean, some some great people paved the way, but but it's still a niche that's kind of growing and expanding and changing, and it is very experimental in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, urban fantasy is meant to be you know urban, so city based. But more and more, I'm seeing it in small towns. I mean, it's really anywhere that's the the regular everyday world where magic coincides with it. Yes. Right. And there's the there's this kind of overlay that happens with contemporary fantasy. I don't know if you've heard that term mm-hmm. kicked around, but I mean, that's kind of like urban fantasy, but not in the city, right? Or maybe it is in the city, but <laughs> for some reason, the person likes the word contemporary better. Um, so there's there's not a lot of clarity always about what these different genres are. Even. I, think, I think some people, myself included, have used contemporary fantasy when you don't when we don't use the most common tropes when it comes to urban fantasies. So for example, uh, most people, when they think of diehard urban fantasy, it's a kick-ass sassy heroine. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are plenty of men as main characters who do great in the genre, but that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people. When you think about some of you know, um, you know, Patricia Briggs series and Alona Andrews series and things like that, they have strong female characters who are pretty badass and And all live in New York City. And they all live in Chicago. Yeah. Or Atlanta in an alternate history for Kate Daniels. But um <laughs> but that's the thing, is like my main character in my Immortal Relic series I wanted her to get to that point of being a strong female character, but I didn't want her to start that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of meeting the tropes that interest people for urban fantasy, it doesn't always hit the mark. A lot of people enjoy it, but the comment I get a lot is that people who like a lot of different genres like fantasy, horror, um, touch of romance in the second and third books. Um, all of them would like the book just as much. Anybody who's into mythology, it doesn't have to be just someone who's into urban fantasy would enjoy the books. And that's what I run into with um, my book, Near Life Experience. It's, it, it's urban fantasy in that it's fantasy, it's in a city setting, but it's contemporary fantasy in that the protagonist is male. Mm-hmm. Um, the magic is not what you're expecting, what what there is of it. And it is uh, heavily mythological. I want there to be, I want there to be a, 
mythological weirdness category. <laughs> that's where that's where I belong. That's where I belong. <laughs> right? We need to create our own sh- subgenre, mythological weirdness. There you go. I'm in. Okay, cool. Genre of two. <laughs> I want to join. You can join. Okay, three. I'll let Look, you in. We're, we're building already. This is fantastic. <laughs> we will take over the world. All yes. right, so we're running short on time, but I definitely want to get in what else you do for marketing. Do you blog? Do you focus on your Facebook page? What else do you do that you find most effective? Uh, most effective is still a tough way, a tough thing for me to define. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's for, oh gosh, I don't even know how to answer that because <laughs> I can't say I have a most effective um system yet, but it's honestly, the social media only does so much. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. So I keep it up because it kind of gives me something to do when I'm trying to avoid writing. (laughs) 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 But it's, it's fun to connect with people too. And, you know, some of, some of my long-term readers are um, other writers, you know, it's, it's a, to write a lot, you have to read a lot, said Stephen King. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, so that's what we do is we read each other's books and and support each other. Um, but advertising on Facebook is, I have definitely seen success there, but I can't say it's like as effective as some of my author friends who market better, their covers are better. You know, it's one of those like, I'm getting there, but I'm not quite there yet. So I can't answer for you. I'm so sorry. No, that's great. That, I mean, it's it's a learning process. And your answer might be completely different two years from now, depending on so. what you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I want, I want everybody to know this is a learning process. Mm-hmm. And if you think you figured it out, you've probably only figured it out for now. Yes. So buckle and then everything up. will change. <laughs> yeah. So where can people find you online if they want to follow you on socials or whatever? I have made it super easy as much as much as I can with the name Stephanie, which is pretty long. Um, but I'm Stephanie Miro everywhere. So stephaniemiro.com, uh, Facebook, Stephanie Miro, any any of the um, apps, that's that's my username. Cool. Okay. And what do you have coming up? People might want to keep their eyes open for. Oh, I'm so excited. I have a series launching in January. So the first it's, I'm going to do my best to get it as rapid released as possible. So the first three books in that series will be out January, February, March. Um, and then I have four more books coming all in 2021. Wow. Um, and it's all, it's, it's pure urban fantasy, tough um, female heroine. Um, she's, She's a lot of fun to write because she is my complete opposite. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. We'll so say what that. are the January ones? The January book is Wings of Fire. It's uh, my last Phoenix series. So it'll be about uh, Veronica, who is the last Phoenix, which is a shape-shifting um, creature in my series. So as an aside, since I got to be a beta reader on this series, go read it. It's awesome. (laughs) Yes, I I will second that. Not biased (laughs) at all. Go read it. (laughs) I am still mixed on going back to the marketing side of things. I'm still mixed on whether or not to promote pre-orders. But that's a really long 
explanation of why. So I won't get into that just now, but I'd be happy to come back and talk to you about pre-order stuff some other time. Yeah, I think let's let's uh, make that a future touch base with you because, you know, we want to keep having you on. So uh, I'll be here. <laughs> okay, cool.